We know what Cardinals fans want. We know what John Mozalak has said. But when you boil it all down, what's a reasonable expectation for what the Cardinals will actually do to fix the starting pitching this winter? Coming up on B-Shape Daily. What's going on, everybody, and welcome in to this edition of B-Shape Daily. Brendan Schaefer here with you. Tuesday, November 7th, 2023, as I record here late at night, probably won't release until Wednesday, the 8th of November, but we said we wanted to get back on the train with daily episodes, and that's what we're doing here, sitting back down in the recording studio for more Cardinals hot stove talk as the St. Louis Cardinals expected to be active in the pitching market. The degree to which that's going to take place, I think, has Cardinals fans, Cardinals Nation, a little bit in knots right now in terms of expectations versus trying to manage those expectations versus what the reality could ultimately bring. And so today we're going to try to talk about just very stream of consciousness, kind of like yesterday's episode, a continuation as we work through everything that's being said or reported or tweeted or opined and try to come up with where we think the Cardinals actually stand some of the reporters that are out there at the uh, GM meetings, I should say, not the winter meetings, that's in December in Nashville, but the GM meetings out in Arizona. We've seen a lot of information relayed from folks that are out there, and that continued on Tuesday. But really, it doesn't feel like we know a whole lot yet. But we can read some tea leaves, we can be informed, we can speculate based on knowing what the Cardinals need and knowing what historically they've been willing to do and Try to suss out exactly what we think is going to come here. But I think it's so interesting, whoever you read, and we'll talk about some of the different reports being put out there. I saw Katie Wu with The Athletic uh, had an article come out a little bit before I started recording this late on Tuesday night, where in her article, she's basically saying good luck trying to prognosticate what the Cardinals are going to do over the next few months, because really the Cardinals may not know entirely because it's a remarkably fluid plan as to how they're going to approach it. And I, I think that sounds about right. Definitely read the article from Katie. She had the dateline on there of Scottsdale, Arizona, so I assume she's out there at the GM meetings, and a lot of good information to come from that. I'm back in O'Fallon, Missouri, so I'm not boots on the ground this week. Do plan to go to the winter meetings in three, four weeks out in Nashville. Should be a good time to see what the Cardinals potentially can drum up in terms of some action there. And maybe by then we'll know more about the Cardinals coaching staff because when you think about the winter meetings, normally you're getting that access to the manager. All the managers from the 30 MLB teams typically will speak, have their own press availability at the winter meetings. So Ollie Marmel, maybe we can ask him if he knows who his staff is. Right now we don't know. The whole notion of a end-of-season press conference uh, seems to have gone by the wayside. Maybe they'll do one in mid-November. Maybe they'll surprise me. But uh, yeah, just remember when they said, oh, well, we'll wait till the end of October. Maybe even we'll wait till after the World Series to do it. So far, that's turned into, well, now you're at the GM meetings. I'm just saying it was a little bit predictable. But anyway, still a lot to get to. Still a lot unknown about where the Cardinals are going to go from here. So we'll try to continue doing daily episodes and break down everything as it's happening or as it's being discussed in the circles around social media. I know people on Twitter excited about what's going on. I can't tell if it's optimism or if it's cautious optimism or if there's a lot of angst about the direction the Cardinals may go. 
I'm putting out the polls. I talked about it in yesterday's episode on Twitter at bshafer12. I asked Cardinals fans, would you be satisfied by St. Louis adding? And then I listed three players, three pitchers. We're going to continue to do this. I'm going to try to do a poll every day. My goal is to get one of these polls to land with a 50-50 result where I just have everybody arguing amongst themselves. Today's poll was not a success in that. I think we uh, overshot our goal a little bit. We're, we're overwhelmingly on the yes side of what would be considered satisfactory. But yesterday's poll was Sonny Gray, Michael Waka, and Tyler Glasnow ending up right around two-thirds voting yes, that would satisfy me as a Cardinals fan, 67%, uh, 4,500 votes. And so that was really cool. 1,200 votes now on the poll that I put out earlier tonight. That was inspired by one of my followers, Landon, at Shore Lando, who said, how about Blake Snell, Tyler Glassnell, and Seth Lugo for the three names? That's at 80% right now, tracking on my Twitter account. Cardinals fans would say, yes, I would be satisfied by Blake Snell, Tyler Glassnell trade, signing Seth Lugo to be sort of that swing man at the end of the rotation. I think a lot of people enjoy Blake Snell more than I guess I uh, thought people did because I thought this would be more in that 60 to 65% range and right now 80%. So what that tells me is people understand the importance of having a strikeout-oriented pitcher. And Blake Snell is certainly that, leading the league with a 182 ERA plus this past season and racking up 234 strikeouts over 180 innings with a 2.25 ERA. So yeah, he was fantastic. And he's only 30 years old, whereas I think Sonny Gray, I believe, uh, scroll back here. Yeah, Sonny Gray was kind of the headliner of yesterday's poll, of Monday's poll, with Michael Waka and Glass now being in both polls. But I think Blake Snell exciting a lot of people. So the next poll that I do might be with one of the big names, like an Aaron Nola. I don't think I'm ready to go Yamamoto because if the Cardinals got him, I feel like Twitter, at least the way that people are reacting right now, would overwhelmingly say, yeah, I don't even care who the other two guys are. I vote yes. So I'm going to try to pin it down with Aaron Nola and then maybe a couple of uh, lower-tiered names in terms of what it would cost the Cardinals to see if people would be on board with that. We'll see if maybe I can drum that up for Wednesday. But for tonight, we're going to get into what I think are some reasonable expectations. And this could go a number of different directions, but I'll kind of talk about some of the things that were said by folks like Derek Gould, John Denton earlier today. And I know that social media has been kind of in a tizzy and I honestly don't understand it. I'm not going to get into too much of the he said, he said about, you know, what the different reporters are saying. And I do, though, want to kind of clear up my perspective of of what I've seen people talking about, because I think people kind of have it wrong as it pertains to some of the stuff that happened earlier today. But based on some of the quotes that are being shared from what John Mozeliak has had to say out in Arizona this week, what type of pitchers and how many of them and at what price point can we expect the Cardinals to engage? Obviously, they're going to be after everybody, right? That was kind of uh, the news that that folks were sharing in screenshots on Monday. Derek Gould, I think, did his chat with STL today. And it was like, well, yeah, they're they're going to check in on that guy. They have interest in this guy. Blake Snell may be interested in, in learning more about what it might be like to be a Cardinal. The Cardinals have no reason to shoo away any of these potential options because they're trying to do this efficiently. They're trying to fill a humongous chasm in their rotation with multiple arms this winter, and they have to do so in a cost-effective way that keeps them within their budget constraints, which we kind of learned a little bit more about yesterday 
was, you know, that, that $200 million range is potentially within the budget for where the payroll could land. That's not all too dissimilar to what happened last year, but the Cardinals didn't end up reaching that because they sold at the deadline rather than adding because they weren't in contention. So it's not that dissimilar to what they envisioned last year could look like if they were contending. But now they know, yeah, we're going to have to push the envelope a little bit more probably in order to uh, make that dream of a contending season come true in 2024. So we'll get into all of it tonight. Make sure you guys are subscribed on YouTube. That's the biggest thing you can do for me if you enjoy the content is subscribe on YouTube because we're trying to build those numbers up. I also do B-Shape Daily. It's this podcast that you're listening to here if you're listening on YouTube, but it's on Spotify. It's on Apple Podcasts every night as well. So however you prefer to get your podcast, you can find the show. Uh, but even if you don't listen on YouTube, we'd love for you to subscribe just to uh, continue to build that subscriber base. And that's the best place to be able to jump in with the comments as well that I can see and respond to and everybody's able to interact. That platform just does a great job with comments and and making those be uh, a feature that we can utilize to our advantage as a, a bit of a community talking Cardinals baseball. So we'd love to have you on board. Click that subscribe button and like on this video. Make sure to get your thoughts in in the comments below. But I first wanted to touch on before I start talking about realistic expectations, because I think when we're doing these polls and everybody's saying, yeah, I would be satisfied with this. Uh, I think people are on the right side of it so far. If they would have said no to either of the two polls that I would have put out so far, the majority, if they'd have been on the no side rather than the yes, I'd be satisfied side, I would be warning Cardinals Nation. Like you're going to, you're setting yourself up for disappointment because I think the stuff that we've put out so far today, again, Blake Snell, Tyler Glass now, Seth Lugo. Yesterday was Sonny Gray, Michael Waka, Tyler Glass now. I think that's on the higher end of the spectrum of what the Cardinals are going to to allocate in terms of trying to fix this thing. Because if you read between the lines on John Mozeliak, and I think all the reports that are coming out from Arizona are pretty much in lockstep on this, the Cardinals are looking to get two bona fide starters for their rotation. And then the third guy you can envision as more of a swing man. It doesn't necessarily have to be somebody that they anticipate will start 30 games and throw 180 innings. It may be, hey, we just need to look at this as a more holistic approach. And if we grab ourselves a couple of number twos or a guy that we could fancy as a number one and maybe a number three to add to the middle of our rotation, however we end up doing that as the St. Louis Cardinals, then we just need somebody that we think could give us some reliable innings. And if you call them a, a number four or a number five, you you call them whatever you want. The innings are what matters, and the labels can maybe take a, sec, a secondary backseat. I think that's part of what the Cardinals are zoning in on based on what we're hearing. And so I want to read this from John Denton's Twitter timeline. You can follow him on Twitter at John Denton 555. He is, of course, the beat writer for MLB.com that covers the Cardinals. And He's been catching a lot of flack on Twitter, and I think a lot of it is undue, if I can be totally honest with you guys on this podcast. I would never, I, I don't want to get into the weeds on Twitter and start arguing with people because I, I think people were very upset and fired up, and that mob mentality thing on Twitter is real. People just see something on Twitter that will confirm their priors and say, well, that's what I already wanted to think about, about a report, and so I'm mad too. I, I don't want to get involved in that at all. There's no upside in that for me, but I'll talk about it because I think the folks who listen to this show can be rational about it. John Denton yesterday tweeted out quotes that John Mosellex said. We talked about him on the show. I don't really think it was anything more than that. If he had an article where he opined and said, the Cardinals aren't doing anything this winter, I must have missed that article. But I think what a lot of people were upset about was the quotes and then their perception that, well, there was no context to these quotes. 
from John Mosellock basically saying, we're going to be in line with what we kind of thought we would do spending-wise in 2023. It's going to be pretty similar. But, of course, people said, well, the context is they didn't end up reaching that kind of $200 million threshold or whatever the number is because they sold at the deadline. But it's like he shared the quote. <laughs> he did not opine. He shared a quote of what John Mosellock said, and you can have various opinions on that. Twitter is not the place where a, a beat reporter writes his article, right? He's sharing out a tweet and saying, hey, here's some information that folks might find interesting because it came from the president of baseball operations who hasn't spoken to anybody in weeks on, you know, in a public presser source setting because they didn't have the end of season presser. So I'm there and I'm going to cover this and I'm going to send out some tweets of the quotes. I think that's completely within reason, but people were so starved to find something that, they said, well, he's, there's no context here, and it's getting twisted, and here's Derek Gould has a lot of great information, which, of course, Derek Gould has a lot of great information. But I don't think anything that was said between those two reporters uh, flew in the face of one another. I don't think there was any contradictions there. And a lot of people said, oh, they're contradicting. Okay, whatever. Because um, John, I, what I wanted to read from his timeline from today was after he did a radio hit on 101 ESPN where everybody said, well, Derek said they're going after all these big fish, and John's saying he doesn't think they're going to get those big fish. And I looked at that and said, well, I think that can also be very much saying the same thing. Derek is reporting, here's what they're going to try to do. But Derek, if you, you know, he, he tries to always clear things up with people on Twitter because they'll see one thing and they'll take that out of context and say, well, Derek said they're getting that Yamamoto. Well, they're trying, they're interested in all these pitchers. Why wouldn't they be? But to actually land any of them really is reliant upon the pitcher wanting to also play for the St. Louis Cardinals. Can't force the guy to sign. And ownership, according to everything being reported, Derek was reporting this, you know, it's been said, right? If they're going to say, well, last year we were in line to go uh, to, a, to a higher budget, a higher payroll than we ultimately landed at because we didn't contend, we're willing to do the same thing again this year. Ownership is willing to spend as necessary to add to this team. So I think everybody's in lockstep on that. But I want to just read from John Denton's timeline because I feel like this was maybe some of the clarity that people said, well, that should be on the tweet. And it's like, well, there's the character limit. <laughs> but here's from John Denton's tweet. As I just stated on 101 ESPN, I totally understand that no Cardinals fan wants to hear the words very similar following an awful 2023, such as Mosellock saying that the 24 payroll will look, quote, very similar to the 2023 projections. But here's the thing. John Denton continues in the next tweet. I have to click show more replies. He did a little thread. I like this. The Cardinals 23 payroll was projected to possibly approach 200 million which would have been the highest in team history. It actually ended up between 173 and 187, depending on the source. And we talked about this yesterday. You cannot necessarily always know exactly what the the answer is. And again, you would think, well, it should just be really simple. What did they get paid? Who was on the team? There's so much more accounting stuff. And it honestly is not all that interesting to me. I know people get crazy about the payroll stuff. It's not even that interesting to me. And, you know, I'm, I'm following this closely. But again, it wasn't 200 million. It was in that 170 some odd range, I believe. I think Fangraphs had like 178 as the final payroll after trading the five starting pitchers and not adding reinforcement at the deadline. John Denton continues The Cardinals have approximately 44 million in salary coming off the books, have approximately 143 million committed with arbitration raises factored in for this coming year. If the 24 payroll gets to 200 million, as 23s was expected, to, or I shouldn't say expected projected to do, this is still reading from Denton's tweet, 
That leaves $57 million to spend to bolster the starting staff and bullpen. Moselak repeatedly mentioned, quote, volume, as in the Cardinals need lots of arms to cover all of the innings ahead, while they may not be able to land the top-end free agent pitchers, which I think was the tenor of John Denton's hit on 101 ESPN that everybody said, see, he's contradicting because other reporters are saying that they're going after all these big fish. But again, going on a radio show and being asked, and I didn't hear the radio segment either, but I presume it was with Brandon Kiley. I, I presume he says, hey, what, you know, what do you think you're going to do? Well, John Denton seems to say, well, maybe they go for a couple of the pitchers in the next tier, not just the top end. He says maybe they don't lay in the top end guys, but a couple in the next tier, along with a couple of relievers, might serve them best. Trades are also an important option. That was the thread from John Denton. And I think that's exactly what everybody else has really been reporting. So lay off John Denton. You guys are, mob mentality's taken over. That's my two cents. I'll get off my soapbox. Now, now that we've gotten through to that part of the conversation, Cardinals fans that are angry about what they're hearing, totally fair. Because John Mozilek had said three starting pitchers, that's what we're going to do, not two and two relievers. But I do see a world in which, and again, this is this has been echoed by everybody that's out there reporting, you should read Gould, you should read Katie, you should read John Denton. I, I don't know if anybody else is out there this week or not. But everybody's kind of saying the same thing. Because John Mozeliak said what he said and everybody reported. It sounds like two starting pitchers in free agency and then maybe one via trade. However, when you say that, you're not saying two guys that are going to come in $20 million plus on an average annual value in free agency and then a trade for Glassnow who's going to come in $20 million. Like, there's a lot of wiggle room, right? There's a lot of room to roam for what that could actually mean to say two free agent starters and one via trade. And here's the reality. The one via trade, you cannot guarantee because you actually have to pull off the trade. And I don't think the Cardinals are going to make a trade that they don't think is a good one out of a sense of desperation. I think they're going to try like hell to make a trade for a starting pitcher because I think they need to. And I'll kind of explain why I think trading for a guy sets them up to actually contend in the way that they have talked about in 2024. Because realistically, if these rough numbers, which I think what John Denton was laying out is kind of matching what everybody sort of is anticipating with this thing. You're going to get different answers based on arbitration raises and maybe they non-tender a couple of guys and that frees up some more space. I think it should do that. But again, I didn't see John Denton come up with that 143 million and I didn't have, I wasn't over his shoulder with a notepad going, yeah, but that five and a half might go somewhere else. That's why you see different numbers sometimes because it's all kind of projections and prognosticating and estimates until we kind of know what ends up happening with some of the non-tenders and what the arbitration raises actually are. But let's just say that I think he said $57 million that they can kind of play with to fix the rotation and bullpen, which I think bullpen, ideally, you can do the whole bullpen for $10 million. Like, we talked about Yuki Matsui a couple of weeks ago. Is he going to get more than 4 or $5 million per year? I don't know that he necessarily is. I would think probably not. So if you sign one marquee guy and, and that could be your marquee guy, maybe you signed another one. Like, what will Jordan Hicks make? I don't know if it's $10 million a year. I don't think it will be, but maybe it will be. I don't know. But I, I don't think the Cardinals necessarily need to allocate multiple contracts like that to relievers. And so if, if you just say 8 to $10 million for the bullpen, maybe it's more than that because you need to add a bunch of guys that could just maybe be a possibility. And they tried that last year. They, they should do it every year. I always say quantity over not quality, but quantity over paying for what you perceive to be quality would be the way that I would approach relief pitching. 
because you could pay Jordan Hicks $12 million a year or whatever he's going to command, and he could go back to being Jordan Hicks of April, right? And that he wasn't a good pitcher. He struggled. He almost got cut from the team, right? So that's how fickle relief pitching can be. Yes, you might pay $10 million and get the guy who was lights out for pretty much the rest of the season with the Cardinals, but you don't know for sure. And the upside is not as good as up, upside of spending that $10 million toward a starting pitcher because starting pitchers can impact the game in much more significant ways. Six innings per start versus maybe three innings per week. And as a starter, you probably can, you know, every other week you're throwing multiple times in that week. You can just impact the game more. More overall innings impact the season more. I don't think that's controversial. But that's why I like a guy like Yuki Matsui because I think you can probably get him for less than the value that you can expect from him because a lot of times those overseas pitchers that aren't like the Yamamoto tier, people are going to undervalue them. So you should step in and say, we want you on a multi-year contract and we'll make it happen. Take a little bit of a risk, but I think you can be rewarded very handsomely for targeting those kinds of players and doing so with some purpose and some intent behind it. So maybe that's the way you fix the bullpen. But free agent-wise, I don't think you're signing three starting pitchers. If we're talking about $57 million, you got to consider some toward the bullpen. Some probably you might have to sign a hitter, sign a bench bat or something. I don't know. Let's just say they've got $45 million to play with for the rotation for 2024. You can see that money start to dwindle quickly. If Yamamoto and Aaron Nola are in the $25 million plus per year tier, all right, you can get one of those guys. But it's going to be a bidding war, right? It's not just like playing a video game and saying, all right, I get to pick $25 million and I can get one of these guys. We don't know that. And you have to consider the term on the deal. Is it a five-year deal, six-year deal, seven-year deal? Which one would you find more palatable for a lengthy contract? What's it going to take? They've got to be navigating all of these waters at the same time because it's an arms race. The Cardinals may elect to go, and this is my prediction, with Sonny Gray rather than Aaron Nola or Yamamoto because I think it'll be fewer years on a Sonny Gray contract. Three years, four years. Will it be the same AAV? It might be $25 million a year. But if it's half the years, then it's half the contract, half the risk. He's 34 years old. Pitched like a number one last year, though. Like I, A lot of people, and again, with today's poll going 80%, everybody saying, yeah, 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 do this. With Blake Snell as the big gun that they would get rather than Sonny Gray, it's like I think people are overlooking Sonny Gray a little bit. 2.79 ERA, 184 innings last year. 183 strikeouts, so a strikeout per inning. That's the obvious distinction. But fielding independent pitching was 2.83, so it's not it's not like smoke and mirrors that he had that 2.79 ERA last year that pretty much matched up for Sonny Gray. Now... Is it one of the better years of his career? Absolutely. Had a 2.87 in 2019 when he was an all-star. Was an all-star this year as well. But otherwise, you know, it, it had been back since 2015 that he had had a season with a sub-3 ERA. And strikeout-wise, not typically, I mean, he's not in Blake Snell tier. He's typically, you know, a K per inning or so throughout his career. A little less. And he was right at that that target this past year. But was that a career year where you pay a guy three years, $70 million, and turns out he's just more of a number three, number four? Because you've got guys like that. You've got Michaelis. You've got Mats. That's kind of where those guys fit in. I wouldn't I wouldn't estimate either of those guys as a number one or two right now. I think doing so 
could lead you to disappointment if you're the St. Louis Cardinals thinking you're going to turn it around by slotting Michaelis in as your number two and, and Matson is like your number three and say, well, we can get a number one like Sonny Gray and then we can get a number four or number five. Okay, you can, but the proof will be in the pudding. That is the beauty of all of this. We're going to have our opinions of what we think is going to happen, what we think should happen. Then there will be what actually happens, who they sign, who they trade for, what they do with the rotation spots. And then there will be whether it works. And the only bit of information that matters is the, the, the last part. What works? Does it work? How does it pan out? Because if it goes well, then they can look and say, look, we we put our bet, we, we pushed our chips in on Sonny Gray, and we won because he had another 2.8 ERA. He had 180 innings. He had 180 Ks. He was the the number one that we were looking for or a, or a toward the top end of our rotation type of guy, and he stayed healthy. All these things, you know, happen in your favor. Okay, great. Wonderful. People are going to see the Sunny Gray signing and go, I don't know. Can you trust him to hold up? We won't know. We're going to spend all winter prognosticating and hand-wringing over whoever they bring in, right? But the reality is it's just going to have to freaking work. Like, that's the only thing that matters at the end of the day. So that's why I, I don't like to get take lock, where you have a take and you go, oh, this is the worst thing or this is the best thing ever. We don't know until they play it out. But we're obviously going to have opinions and talk about it, and that's what makes this stuff fun. But what's interesting is, okay, it seems like if you're disappointed as a Cardinals fan because you're hearing John Denton say maybe they're not going to get the number one starter, they're going to get some some guys in that next tier, maybe a couple of guys in that next tier. Well, shoot, that's not what that's not what I thought John Mosaic meant when he said three starters. Right. That's I'm trying to not let you down easy, but I'm trying to sit here and explain. Look at the polls I'm putting out. If you think Gray, Glassnow, and Waka would be disappointing, which most of you didn't. Most of you said, yes, I'd take that. Or Snell, Lugo, and Glassnow. Most of you said I'd take that. I hope so, because I don't think what actually happens, if you rain this simulation a thousand times, what actually happens probably won't be on that level of impressive in terms of winning the offseason. Doesn't mean it can't work during the season, but there has to be some level of pizzazz, I think, to this thing to get fans on board, which doesn't functionally matter, but it does make John Mosellock's life a little easier between now and spring training. And then, you know, the fans can be right or wrong. They can maybe hate a guy that they signed, and he does great. You know, that's possible. But it could go the other way as well. So we're just kind of waiting and seeing what they actually do. What matters is how it pans out with the names that they pick. But doesn't it just seem more St. Louis Cardinals-y to sign Sonny Gray, 34 years old, to a three-year, four-year contract than the full bag at Yamamoto, the full bag at Aranola? I could see that. Now, John may be looking at this. John Denton may be looking at this, and it'd be great to talk with him on the podcast. Maybe I should just do that. But he might be looking at this and say, well, maybe Sonny Gray is in that second tier. Or maybe he's saying, hey, Sonny Gray is a first-tier name. Cardinals might not even get him. I tend to believe Sonny Gray is going to be a St. Louis Cardinal, if I had to guess. But what's the price going to be? We've heard a lot about how Sonny Gray, and again, this is the episode where we're trying to talk about reasonable expectations. But Sonny Gray had said, it's maybe not all about the money. I want to go somewhere where I feel wanted on my next contract. Okay, well, the Cardinals sure want you. There's no doubt about that. But does does that manifest in a, a discount of some sort? Probably not. It's a competitive market for pitching. People are going to be wanting Sonny Gray. It's not just going to be the Cardinals. But is there another world where you're like, well, 
Sonny Gray wants to win. He wants to be somewhere where he's wanted, and he wants to have this, that, or the other. Could he go like the Wainwright style of deferring some money at some point, make it a little easier on this year's payroll, keep it under that $200 million? I, I Maybe. I don't think that's crazy to imagine. If they said, hey, look, we want to get you on board early because that's you're a selling point to other starters that we want to bring in and say, hey, look what we're building here. You can look at the Cardinals lineup, and, and I don't think it takes a – a ton of baseball acumen to look at it and go, yeah, I think there's some, the, there's some to play with here offensively. Team's got some talent, one through nine. You know, it doesn't doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that out. I know that their their stats were what they were this past year. Nobody played the last two months. They all they all kind of mailed it in. They all got hurt. They all went on the IL. I don't overly freak out about that. I do think they need to consider bringing in somebody for the outfield, either that or you know, deciding how to push their chips in on Carlson or, you know, that's really the only Burleson maybe center field though is still kind of a, an issue. I think we got to talk about the pitching first, but they, like John Mozeliak and his crew have to be thinking about that as well. Well, what are they going to do with Tyler O'Neill? What are they going to do with Dylan Carlson? Is Tommy Edmond your center fielder? What do we, you know, all of these things are happening at the same time. We'll focus on the pitching because it is the biggest, most blatant need, but there are other things things kind of circling around orbiting the ether as things go along. So like there's one version though with Sonny Gray where you sign him and maybe it's 23 million a year. I don't know. I'm just coming up with a number three years, 69. Nice. 23 million a year. What did we say? They had 57 million to work with. We cut it down to 45 because they need some of that for bullpen, maybe for a bat. 23 to Sonny Gray. Now you're left with 22. Okay. Do you immediately drop down a tier or do you drop way down? I should look at some of these projections because I could talk about a lower tier and say, hey, Seth Lugo, but I I should make sure, okay, what do people think he's going to make? Tim Britton that did the the projections for the athletics said two years, 26 million. All right, that's 13 million. Seth Lugo. But if that, if you envision Seth Lugo is like, that's the third guy you're going to get. He's going to be like the swing man. You know, he's going to, he can be a reliever if you need. He's going to be a starter. Pitched 146 innings last year. A K per inning kind of guy. Three and a half ERA. Good solid numbers. But he's kind of the insurance policy, right? All right. What about the third guy? Are you signing three? Probably not. You could if it was $13 million or so for that guy. Uh, $23, 25000000 for... Sonny Gray, you get Gray, you get Lugo. I kind of want to look at what Giolito is projected for here because I think when you make these moves, you have to kind of think with upside in mind too. They said four years, $70 million for Giolito. So that's, you know, pushing 20, 17.5 million AAV. Flaherty projected for 15 million a year. Michael Waka, three years, 36. I think Shota Imanaga is a very interesting guy, four years, 52. But these guys are all getting money as well. That money is going to count against the difference between what you currently are spending and what that $200 million mark looks like. So what's that tier? Tyler Maley, two years, 20. Frankie Montas, is he healthy? One-year flyer type of deal. Um, Eric Fetty, I think, is a name that is kind of getting thrown around a little bit because he wasn't great in MLB for a number of years but then went over, um, I think, to Japan. Let me make sure I'm getting this right. Korean League. I wasn't getting it right. 
played for in the KBO this past year for the NC Dinos in the uh, in the KBO. Had a two ERA over there, 180 innings, 209 strikeouts. So it's like, okay, how does that translate back? Because when you were in Major League Baseball, you had like a 5.8 ERA. But Eric Fetty picking up some intrigue. Like that could be a very Cardinals way to go about it. They've dipped into the KBO. They've dipped into um, Nippon Professional Baseball in Japan. They've they've made moves like this before for pitching. And the Eric Fetty would sound a lot like what happened with Miles Michaelis. Um, although I think Michaelis was a little younger when he came back over, but in just one year for Fetty over in the KBO. But just kind of like that as the concept of the Cardinals have been willing to do that. That would be kind of your number five kind of swing man, kind of take a chance on some upside and probably won't cost you terribly too much. But does that excite people, Eric Fetty? Probably doesn't excite a lot of people. But that's why I say what's reasonable to expect. We're talking about these names. People want to say, and I mean, I can't tell you the number of comments I saw on Twitter today, and I would tell those people, guys, you're going to be disappointed, but they would say, well, I need Yamamoto and Nola. I need Nola and Gray, nothing less. It's like, I don't think that's going to happen. If you had $57 million to play with, and again, these are just rough estimates, but let's let's try to pin the tail on the donkey here a little bit. $25 million for Nola per year, twenty three for... Sonny Gray, is that, I mean, that's 48 right there, I guess, but that doesn't really leave you a lot of wiggle room. My suggestion would be it would be really great to see something like that. And then to trade for Glass now, too, and say, screw your 200, we're going to 210 for a year because Glass now is owed 20 million. And then you're back down to 190 the next year. Totally fine. Or back down to 200 the next year because Glass now would be a free agent. But wouldn't that set you up to contend? That's why I talk about the trade option being so critical. But I also think in the case of Glass now, it would have to come with the Cardinals being willing to spend more money. And to me, that is the preference. Spend a little bit more money instead of spending more talent in a trade. Because as much as Dylan Cease would be a really compelling option, Logan Gilbert would be great for the rotation. Nobody's denying that. But those are going to cost you in ways that I don't think a Tyler Glass now trade would cost you. I'm not saying you wouldn't have to give up a nice player or two, but it's a year and $20 million, and the Rays have a lot of reason to say, ah, that's not really the way we operate. We'll trade him. I think the Cardinals can get a bargain. I think they can if they're willing to, to, to spend. So could it look like something of a Sonny Gray, 23 to $25 million. And again, I have no idea what he's going to make, but we're just kind of going off of what people are saying. $20 million for Glass now because you traded somebody to get him. Let's assume it's not somebody that's part of your starting lineup like a Donovan or a, a uh, Nolan Gorman. Like, that wouldn't happen. It, could it be an outfielder? Maybe, but I don't... I mean, Dylan Carlson for Glass now. I could see some intrigue on both sides of that, but if you're the Cardinals, you're going, are we letting Dylan Carlson go for real? He's got all these years of team control. We're doing it for one year of a guy who just threw 120 innings, and, like, that was his big accomplishment in terms of durability? Really? I have no idea, guys. We're throwing names out because that's kind of what we're envisioning. But let's just say that, you know, like we talked about Burleson yesterday. Love Alec Burleson. I think he could be considered superfluous in the way that the Cardinals currently are building their roster, potentially. So, yes, is it five years of team control? Is that an overpay? Maybe. The Rays might be saying, well, we don't know if he's good. We need some pitching back. So there's the give and take on that. But let's just say 
You go get Gray for $25 million. You get Glass now in a trade. You know he's $20 million for a year. That's already 45 there. So maybe you are talking about if if they were to do that, which some people would just be still upset because they didn't get Yamamoto or Aranola. But if they do that, Sonny Gray and Tyler Glass now, suddenly, all right, Gray, Glass now, Michaelis, Mats, you need one more. They're really talking up Zach Thompson. They're talking up Libertor. I don't know. I, I think it's a bad idea to just say, hey, that's your number five. But could they, could Eric Fetty make, I don't know what he's making over in the KBO. I don't know what it's going to take to get him over here. But could it be like that intro Miles Michaelis contract where you it was like a two-year, nine million. I don't even remember what it was. Two-year, 16 million. Something kind of small. Would the Cardinals, would that even be realistic? Seth Lugo, could you add... I mean, that's what we talked about in the poll yesterday. Lugo paired with Glassnow trade and Sonny Gray. But the the projections on what that would cost you salary-wise is like around 55 to $60 million. And if you've only got 57 to play with and you also need relief pitching and maybe a bat, all right, I'm just, that's the number crunch that makes me say, if your hard and fast rule coming into this offseason is Yamamoto, Nola and Gray are bust, like, take a step back. You're going to be disappointed if that's how you feel about it because I just don't think realistically it's going to come to fruition. Do I think there could be a world in which the Cardinals just feel like the deal they get for Glass now is within their puke point range? Like, they can handle it and they can say, look, we don't want to lose player A, B, C, or D, but we're going to trade a couple of them, get Glass now because we think the upside there is really good and they're interested in him. That's what the reports are saying. And I think they're gonna I think they're gonna sign Sonny Gray. If like of the bigger free agent names, that's the one that I think is gonna end up being a Cardinal. So like you would have something to to work with at that point. How do you round it out with a third name with the swing man sort of thing? For me, it's like if if you can find a way to get one of those Michael Wakas or the Seth Lugos or the Giolito maybe on a shorter contract that doesn't hamstring you long-term on a pitcher that you're not totally sure about. Couldn't you just go above and beyond on the whole $200 million thing for like a year? If glass now is your third guy that you bring in. I hate, I hesitate to even talk about this too much because I don't know if it's realistic. I don't know if the Cardinals, it may, it may depend on like the order of operations. If they get a sunny gray first and maybe they do sign somebody from overseas where they don't have to give up another draft pick and more, you know, signing bonus allocations. And they're like, hey, we feel pretty good about getting a couple of guys, but now we're feeling greedy. And we know that Glass now could pitch like an ace if he's healthy. And all they want is Burleson. I'm not saying that's what it would be. And we think that's honestly five years for one year, and that's not a great deal. But, man, we just see the possibility. And we've already got two guys that were pretty Feeling pretty good about it. We got Sonny Gray. We got, you know, whoever the other guy is on a two-year, $22 million deal, right? Somebody in that tier. Let's just go for broke and, and do this trade. Maybe it's a, a Dylan Cease trade where they have to give up a little bit more to get. But they say now they can say, oh, he's controlled for a couple of years. I think Dylan Cease has two years left of team control. And again, didn't pitch all that great last year, but nobody really played well for the White Sox. And Dylan Cease is... Still only 27 years old, and he's not a free agent until 2026. So you'll have 
two years of them in arbitration, which means not quite as expensive as what you'd be spending on probably a lesser arm in free agency. He still had 214 strikeouts and 177 innings this past year. Dylan Cease is going to cost you one of those, probably one of those infielders that you don't want to trade. Logan Gilbert, same thing. But do the Cardinals get to a point where they go, we just have to reorient the direction of our franchise, and this is the way that we think we can do it. That would get so interesting because if the trade isn't a trade for just kind of a swingman, but it's a trade for a legit pitcher that you think could be like a good number two, then are you okay with Sonny Gray as your number one? If you were more in the, ah, nope, I need Aaron Nola, I need Yamamoto. If you know that you're also getting like Dylan Cease or Tyler Glass now, are you going, all right, Sonny Gray, financially, to make the other stuff fit, he might be the best option because it's going to be three, four years instead of six or seven. And he pitched pretty darn good last year. Maybe Blake Snell ends up working out. Maybe that's, you know, the, the, the report is that he kind of is asking around, thinking about, well, what could it be like to be a Cardinal? Five years, 135 is the projection from The Athletic for a Snell contract. Five years, 105 is the projection for Monty. I don't know if Monty wants to come back, but at that price, dude, I would do that in a flash. I bet he gets more than that. I bet he gets more than 5 and 105. But if I'm the Cardinals and I can sign him for that, again, I don't know if that's the case. I'm not saying Montgomery didn't enjoy being with the Cardinals. I just don't know. It was just a little strange, right? They didn't ever get to extension talks. He kind of said, well, you didn't want to do it before the year, so we won't do it. That's fine. I'm going to go to free agency. And then he gets traded. Like, does it really feel like a guy that they're going to bring back? But oh, I, he's you know good dude that I think would be, look, he's a, got an opportunity to make a lot of money in free agency. And I'm sure if the Cardinals made an offer that it would be considered. But man, that five and one oh five I think is would be a great deal. <laughs> Especially the way that he pitched in October. Snell five and one thirty five. I mean, I don't know. There's there's risk there, but there's a lot of upside there too. And he would be a he would be a dog if he was healthy on the mountain. Blake Snell, his strikeout numbers. I mean, the Cardinals need guys like that. Imagine an off season where you go, you know what, if if we're talking about Aaron Nola getting 6-180, and 180, which is what the Athletics says here. And Yamamoto, over $200 million when you count the posting fee. Yeah, he's great and he's 25, but we, you know, we can get bang for our buck. Blake Snell, 5-135, if that's really the number. Which, where does that put you? 5-135. and 135. It's not 25 a year. Yeah, it's about 20, 27 a year, something like that. I should have just broken out the calculator. I usually can do that in my head. It's 1 a.m. now, though. 27. I got it right. I got there eventually. <laughs> but is that like, hey, you can get 230, 250 strikeouts from a healthy Blake Snell. Top your rotation. And now we're going to go get glass now, too, because we're just feeling emboldened by the fact that we have a true ace. Like, what if the Cardinals take on that mentality? Or we're going to go get Dylan Cease because we're going to have him for a couple of years. Or, heaven forbid, we're going to trade... Gorman for Logan Gilbert. We're going to throw in a Tink Hens to do it. And people are like, are you crazy? That's so much to... Whatever. I'm I'm just throwing ideas out because the the, the value or the, the notion of being able to stomach a move like that as a fan base or as an organization or as a front office, it doesn't really matter. Right now, I'm just trying to paint a picture and go, what would the rotation be like if it was Blake Snell, Logan Gilbert, you know, uh, Nick Martinez or Seth Lugo, 
or Michael Lorenzen to go with Steven Matson, Miles Michaelis. Like that's what that's what we're getting to. And the Cardinals have to be correct about who they go and get after, you know, in that in that kind of tier of a number four, number five type. But there's some good arms out there, man. Nick Martinez could be perfect for that kind of swingman role because he started a few, uh, you know nine games this past year, but mostly a reliever. 110 innings though, K per inning, three four three ERA. Maybe that's the way the Cardinals go about it, and they just say, "Look, pure unadulterated upside with the strikeout possibilities that we could come up with here, having Blake Snell, Tyler Glass now." What do you think, Cardinals fans? Am I being unrealistic? I'm trying to set the the bar for realism. But I, I can't help but go, why if it's all about the same money anyway, why not do the thing that if you can convince Blake Snell that he wants to be a St. Louis Cardinal, it doesn't matter what Tyler Glass now wants, you trade for him. Maybe it's just for one year. And maybe that leaves you in a spot in 2025 where you got to do this all over again. And maybe you give up talent that you wish you hadn't done. I still think there's a lot of reasons to be compelled by it. And then you come up with that kind of number five swing man that is going to grind it out for, you know, sharing the spot with Steven Matz or sharing the spot with Zach Thompson or Gordon Graceffo takes a step forward. That's when you can then benefit from your pitching depth. Right now, it's like, oh, we have to rely on these young guys. Cardinals don't want to be sitting in that spot. At least I, if I were the Cardinals, I wouldn't. Where you have to day one say, hey, they're in our rotation. One of these guys has got to make our rotation. What happens when that guy gets hurt or, heaven forbid, somebody above him in the rotation gets hurt? Well, now you need the next young guy to step up. The guy who lost that camp battle is still in your rotation. Injuries take place. So you have to be prepared for that. And that's why when John Denton says the volume, that's the part he wants to focus on from John Moselak, volume. Mo said it repeatedly, according to J.D. They need lots of arms to cover lots of innings. You saw the guys that were covering innings at the end of last year. That's why they lost 91 games. They got to level up a little bit in this regard. But if the realistic expectation is Sonny Gray, somebody from that next tier, the Waka tier, if you will, I'd love to see Michael Waka back. That'd be kind of fun. If those are the two guys, I think what swings this from is it successful, is it not, is how aggressive the Cardinals will be in trying to pull off a trade. Because if the guy that you get in that Waka tier is your second best pitcher that you acquired this winter. And maybe, again, maybe I'm erroneous right now in trying to say that it's realistic to expect that he won't be. But I do think if you leverage your talent effectively, you can acquire a really good top-of-the-rotation starting pitcher. You can sign another one and still have money left to add that Waka, Nick Martinez, Seth Lugo, even down on to Eric Fetty, if you're interested in that, in that tier. You can, that is a way to get three. I know the Cardinals are going to try. It doesn't matter what they try to do, though. They have to succeed in it. And I think that could be done. Blake Snell making $27 million a year. And then if you don't trade, like the trade for Glass now is in its own bucket because it's so much money on this coming year's payroll. But also, it's only for this coming year. So, would ownership go, all right, we know that that particular bit of allocation is gone after 2024, and we know that it maybe helps us truly try to contend in 24. So, we'll allow it. We're at 207 instead of 200, like we said. 
but then we know that we're dropping that 20 off, and, and it'll probably be less the following year in 2025. And I think Cardinals fans would be on board with that too, as long as you know they saw the, the, the plan for what that was going to look like. But you could trade. like That would be the way of, hey, spend a little more money because you don't want to give up the assets, the young position players, the young pitching, whatever it would be, the prospects, to get a frontline starter via trade. You could get a frontline starter via trade if you did want to give up those assets, and that could be a controllable guy, like Dylan Cease for a couple of years, Logan Gilbert for several. And I know people love Nolan Gorman, and they should. He's fantastic. But if if I painted you a lineup that had Donovan at second and had Tommy Edmond in center field and had Mason win at shortstop and had Jordan Walker needing to DH a decent amount, because you don't want to overexpose your outfield. Lars Newbar is going to play left. Maybe Dylan Carlson's going to play some right field when Walker DHs. Do you lose power from that lineup? Of course you do. If you still have Goldie and Nolan at the corners, Wilson behind the plate, DHing some as well. You still have a full lineup of of really good, talented players. You lose a guy who could hit you forty home runs. I get that, but you fill his role with good players that you have already. Thomas Sejaci should be on this team at some point, right? You fill that role and you you fill the rotation with something it flat out does not have. That's the argument. I'm not making it, but I'm saying if the Cardinals were to go that route, I don't think it would be crazy. And I'm I'm, I'm picking on Gorman because I think he's the guy that has the most value to the league because people look at left-handed power and say, nobody should ever trade that. Well, sure, but the Mariners are going, why would we trade our young pitching? Everybody needs it. DePoto had some great quotes today about, yeah, how many teams are going to be interested in our pitching? 29 of them. Because pitching is really important. Kind of laying out the case for why teams should offer a bunch of good stuff for their pitching. Yeah, it's a good spot to be in if you're Jerry DePoto. I use Gorman as the example because I think he's very valuable. Maybe there is another position player. Maybe it is Brennan Donovan. Maybe Tommy Edmond leads a package. I don't think that's as realistic for Gilbert just because not as much offensive upside and less controllable, a little more expensive already in the payroll department. But maybe you also give big-time pitching prospects and they want Tommy. You know, I'm not saying the Cardinals should trade any of those infielders, but I'm just looking at it as if they were going to be bold and make a splash, it could hurt and you could be upset, but then I would wonder the next week how long it would take Cardinals fans to go, man, that lineup still looks pretty good and the rotation looks way different than it did. Will the Cardinals take a perspective or an approach like that or will they really try to do all of this via free agency and the trade, if they make one, is going to be more of a minor deal? I don't know. Are they going to take the approach of let's get one anchor like an Aaron Nola or even a Sonny Gray and say he's the anchor. If you expected something else, sorry, but this is the anchor that we're going to revolve around for our ace spot, so to speak. And then we're just going to, you know, because that costs so much money, we're going to have to dumpster dive for the other spots. I Maybe, but that could still be three starters, and that's where I think the disconnect is going to be because Cardinals fans will say, well, Mo said three starters. And Mo's going to say, yeah, here they are. I didn't tell you how much I was going to pay each of them. That's where I, I think realistic expectations should potentially set in 
I tend to agree with John Denton, though, with the way that he framed it of they're not going to get Yamamoto or Aaron Nola. They're going to get Sonny Gray, if you consider that kind of the next tier, and then maybe another guy from that tier or a little bit below that tier. Like Gray and Snell would be outrageously great, but that's going to cost you $50 million. They have other needs that they're going to try to fill. So that's why I think you're getting one guy from that tier, and it may not even be the top tier of, I said, Nola, Yamamoto. You might put Snell in that tier as well. Do you put Gray in that tier? I don't know. That would be the either the bottom of the first tier or the top of the second one, and I do think he is in play. But how much he ends up commanding and whether you can, hey, defer some money, that's an idea. However that ends up playing out will inform what they can do with the other spots, whether that's Seth Lugo and Eric Fetty, but then that would be three three starters signed via free agency. I don't think they're going to do that. I think they'll sign a, a small potatoes kind of guy to go with their gray or whoever's in that gray spot, and I think they'll pursue a trade, but if they can't come up with one, you're getting two starters, and they're going to try to fill the innings with, with guys that are either a swing man or bullpen guys or whatever the case might be. I think they need three starters. I think it's a mistake to go in and say, yeah, we'll have an open competition for the number five spot because what that means is the guy that loses it is also in your rotation because somebody's going to get hurt. Happens every year. But let me know what you think, Cardinals fans. We've done it again. We've gone nearly an hour. I keep saying I'm not going to do it every time, but that's two days in a row that we're 50-plus minutes here on B-Shape Daily. So appreciate you guys who made it to the end. Uh, I feel like we should almost have like a code word that you guys can send me in a message or, or tweet at me at bshafer 12 on Twitter. Let's do hashtag still here. If you made it to the end of the video or the podcast, tweet hashtag still here. You can send it to me in a message if you prefer. I want to see if you guys are listening to the end of this thing, because if not, I can totally just do 30 minutes next time and maybe go to bed a little sooner. Anyway, appreciate you guys for listening. As always, make sure to hit that subscribe button before you get out of here on YouTube. Drop your comment below. Head to Twitter to vote in the polls. And we'll talk to you next time on Be Safe Daily. Peace.